DJ and PK in the morning, proudly presented by Mark Miller Subaru. Countdown to the Rose Bowl is on. Three more days, PK. It's almost here. Beautiful. The granddaddy. 60,000 U fans getting ready to roll in there and watch the Utes take on Ohio State. An Ohio State team that has had problems against the run. Utah ranked 13th nationally running the ball. Michigan 10th. Oregon 25th. And both those teams beat Ohio State. And if you ask Matt about that, I'm going to pull my hair out. Doesn't get Prepare for baldness. Put on a ball cap, PK. <laughs> oh, I'm going to ask him. It's the path to victory. You think the Utes have a good chance to win this game, don't you? Sure. Yeah. Why wouldn't they? Right. Why wouldn't they? Well, answer that question. Because the two teams that beat Ohio State run the ball like Utah runs the ball. So what? I remember That's why Utah has a chance to run the, nah. win the game. Beyond that, they, they run the ball no matter what. It's not about the defense. It's about the offense. Because if you sucked at running the ball, all of a sudden you're not going to be able to run the ball better, oh, very well enough to win because of the opponent. I don't, I don't buy that. You, you are a great running football team, irregardless of the competition. Either you can do it well or you can't. And Utah can do it well. This is the bread and butter, has been for many, many years. What difference does it make who's over there? If you're good enough, you're better than the other guy. And Utah, by and large, has been better than the other guy. This is what they do. So I, they couldn't do it against BYU. So the, by, by your logic then, BYU would just roll over uh, Ohio State. And nobody sees that. I mean, you, 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 you get too bogged down with all this stuff. Stick to what you do well and see what happens. Worry about yourself. At least from the offensive perspective. And part of them, too, is Cam Rising. It seems like at least once a game, if not multiple times, he pulls something out of his you-know-what and creates a big play with his legs. And he just has that ability to do that. And you didn't see that coming because he's not overly fast. He's not big and strong. He doesn't have a big arm. I don't know what it is about this guy. All I know is he wins. You know, and if you look at, well, if you just go, well, look at the games that Utah lost. You don't, you just, you look at the games Ohio State lost, but you never say, what about the games that Utah lost? The D-line was getting bullied. The O-line was making massive mental mistakes. And Cam Rising played uh, one and a half of the three games they lost. Almost. Not, he didn't come in at halftime against San Diego State, did he? It was a couple drives into the second half, I think. Uh, yeah, one or two. Yeah, yeah, right. But if you just focus on that Oregon State game, Utah has no chance. But yet, that's not true. DJ and PK, we're joined now by Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. He's an Ohio State grad, and he joins us right now on the Smart Rain guest line. Smart Rain's state-of-the-art smart irrigation controller helps with first-class water management. Visit smartrain.net to learn how to save 30 to 50% on your commercial property's water costs, or call 877-346-3333. Matt, good morning. Good morning. Thanks for having me on, fellas. Thanks for coming on. So are we getting the Ohio State grad who's got the pom-poms out and is rooting for the alma mater, or we've got the highly trained professional with his analytical eye for the sport? Well, I don't, I don't know. I wouldn't say I'm highly trained, but I, I will try to be a serious professional here. And like, I'll tell you this right up front. Like, I think Utah's going to win this game. Why? Why? There's, there's, like, there's a couple of reasons for this. Like, I think even if both teams were at full strength, Utah matches up pretty well with Ohio State's weaknesses. And if there's one thing we've seen over the last two weeks, it's pretty clear that to this Utah program, this is the Super Bowl. And I don't mean that pejoratively, right? This is going to be a heavy Utah crowd. As far as I know, every significant playmaker is planning on being in this game. And for Ohio State, we saw this season with the number one um, you know, F-plus adjusted offense, that offense isn't going to be in this game because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, Ohio State's, you know, two of their three-headed monster at wide receiver, they're not going to play. Ohio State's best offensive lineman, Nicholas Petitfier, is not going to play. Ohio State's most consistent and probably best defensive tackle, Haskell Garrett, is not going to play. 
And that's not even saying anything about injuries or, or any COVID situation here. So then I, I, the, the way that Ohio State wins this game is by outscoring Utah and, and, and uh, being so explosive that they can drop 35 points and don't necessarily need to be efficient. And in order for that to happen, they're going to need some redshirt freshmen or people who, who have never really seen consistent action at, at you know, college football before to have monster games. And this is a really hard team and a really difficult environment uh, for for that to happen. So I I don't want to insinuate that this game would not be a meaningful achievement or not matter for Utah because they're not getting Ohio State at full strength. Like, that narrative sucks. But when just looking at who's actually going to play, I think Utah matches up really well. I think PK's threatened to pull out all of his hair if I ask you about uh, Ohio State's <laughs> inability to run the ball. Or, excuse me, to stop the run. Stop the run. And we saw it against Oregon, and we saw it against Michigan. When you talk matchups, is that what you're talking about, that you think Utah's going to run the ball? Because that's what they do. And Ohio State isn't going to be able to stop an above-average or elite running attack because, well, that's not what they do. I, I, th- I think that's part of it. And, like, the, the Michigan and Oregon games, I think, were different because Ohio State's defense was punished in different uh, different ways by, by that rushing attack. But, but certainly, like, this is not a championship-caliber linebacking crew. And what we've seen out of Ohio State's defense when they're really good at these past couple of seasons is that they have some kind of five-star, first-round draft pick, outwardly, uh, pass rusher, you know, a, a real elite talent uh, at defensive end that can kind of single-handedly disrupt what a team wants to do. That, that those are your Bosa brothers. That was your Chase Young. Ohio State may have that next year. Uh, they, they do have. I, I, I think they signed three five-star, you know, the pa- defensive ends in the past two recruiting classes, but they don't have one right now. Um, and they are beat up. Um, they beyond just Haskell Garrett, they, they've had a couple of their other guys injured or just haven't been at full strength uh, at defensive tackle. And if you can't get a great pass rush and you don't have championship caliber guys, you know, up up in the middle, and you don't have linebackers that can fill gaps or make reads uh, as quickly as you need to, then yeah, if if you run the ball well, you can get four, five, six yards of carry on this Ohio State defense. Now. You know, it will be interesting to see whether Utah can throw the ball uh, as well as Oregon and Michigan and a couple other teams were able to do in that game. You know, Oregon had a better a better day throwing than they did against most Pac-12 teams, uh, in part because the, the running game made things open up so many opportunities for them. But that's that, that's going to be a big challenge. Like I, I think that Utah should be able to expect to dominate time of possession and to be able to, to shorten this game and make things a little bit more challenging for Ohio State's more explosive offense. And should be, and the, the, the yards on the ground will be there for them. Yeah, I can, I can buy all that. I mean, that, that makes complete and total sense. Uh, but I want to go back to something that you said uh, as far as potentially outscoring them. I mean, I realize Utah's defense usually is really good, but you just look at the scores of Ohio State, 59, 52, 66, 54. I mean, Nebraska, they only got 26. Purdue, which was ranked, they put 59 on them. We all remember that Michigan State thing. That was, yeah. uh, and it was late in uh, November, if I remember correctly, and it was perceived as a big game. And was it 49 nothing at halftime? It's like, wow, yeah, they the, look they, like they scored on Alabama. They look like Alabama on steroids all of a sudden here. So I can't get that out of my mind. And thinking that, all right, they are missing these guys that you say. Those are facts. But they were still explosive. So if they didn't have those three guys, maybe they only led 34 to nothing at halftime against Michigan State. (laughs) It still seems to me that they're potent offensively, with or without these guys. They they are unquestionably potent. And and this is the thing about even if you're playing Ohio State's B-plus team on offense, where you're, you're facing mostly underclassmen. All those underclassmen are high four-star guys. Uh, and, and to a man, I think, uh, you know, when you look at Ohio State's skill position talent, they are all elite, elite speed. Um, and and th- that has w- that's what made this offense so terrifying and so explosive during the season is because they could take a guy, you know, Garrett Wilson would get a nine-yard you know, nine slant and just outrun everybody and turn that into a 45-yard gain or a 54-yard touchdown. Um, and, and Ohio State's running back, Travion Henderson, who I think is going to be 
uh, on most Heisman shortlists next year. He's a true freshman and still ran for well over a thousand yards. He's somebody where Utah's going to stop him for two yards, three yards behind the line of scrimmage. He might be rushing for 1.8 yards to carry into the first quarter. And then he's going to take one for 60 yards because all of these guys have an, just an extra gear that is hard to match. And that was even came up in the, uh, in the, the Oregon game. It came up in the Michigan game a little bit. But if you want to look at what this Ohio State offense could look like without these guys, the Nebraska game is a good example because Garrett Wilson didn't play in that game. Um, Chris Olave did, and Olave is more of a uh, vertical, you know, straight downfield burner kind of guy. He's not really a slant receiver. He's not someone who's going to get 11 catches. And Ohio State's offense stalled a little bit because they weren't able to um, be schedule and found themselves facing thirds and third and seven, third and eight, third and nine. And even if Utah puts Ohio State in that position throughout the gate, Ohio State's going to convert some stuff just because they've got dudes. And those dudes might be Marvin, Jer- Marvin Harrison Jr. Uh, that might be Julian Fleming. These are our high four-star, five-star underclassmen wide receivers who are going to see some more time. Might be G. Scott, uh, West Coast guy who is a five-star recruit. He's going to be playing a little bit more in this game. Um, but that's, that's going to happen. Uh, but I think w- when you're missing those, you know, not just a, deep, a big play guy, but also your safety blanket, who's going to get eight, nine, ten catches a game in, in Garrett Wilson, you aren't going to be able to get the four, five, six yards uh, a play that you would need to to, uh, to be more to be more efficient. You're, it's it's going to be kind of an all or nothing more sort of thing. I think Ohio State's still going to score 28 points. Um, but that might not be enough if they don't get enough possessions. Their, their path to win here, I think, is winning, like, scoring 45. It's not a team that I think can win this game 20-7. to seven. Well, certainly Ohio State averaged 45 points a game, so you, you can't throw that out there. But I, I was going to ask you about the Nebraska game, because Nebraska went 1-8 in the Big Ten. And Nebraska yep. held them to 26 points. Now, Penn State went 4-5 and five in the Big Ten. That was not a great Penn State team. I know they were ranked when they played Ohio State. The brand names demand that that game be pumped up. That was a 33-24 game, which might be how Ohio State tries to win this game. What did Penn State do to hold Ohio State to 33 points? Because it sounds funny to hold someone to 33, but that is 12 points <laughs> below their average. And Ohio State had at least a half dozen games. They scored 50 points this year. So how did they hold yeah. them to 33? Um, so one of the big problems, and, and I, I realize it's kind of weird saying this for a team that averaged 45 points a game, but uh, particularly during the last half of the year, Ohio State really wasn't very good in the red zone on offense. Um, and they're going to get in the red zone because they get yards on just about everybody, even when they are not at full strength. But in that Penn State game, I, I, you, you, if you watched it, it was not difficult to imagine Ohio State scoring 51, right? Penn State turned the ball over three times. Um, and Ohio State just couldn't get out of their own way. They converted, I want to say, less than a third of their third-down conversions. They were constantly put behind schedule. They had 10 penalties, uh, several of them particularly costly, and they didn't convert in the, in the red zone. You know, Trayon Henderson had 152 yards and a touchdown, but it took him almost 30 carries to get there. Uh, and uh, I think most of those yards were on three or four carries. So it was a lot of, you know, um, First and ten, second and eight, third and seven, send the house. Um, and 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 the uh, Penn State just, just could not convert well enough on offense. And and that and Sean Clifford played like the game of his life in that game uh, to to make it close. So that that's that's the way to beat Ohio State. You're not going to shut Ohio State out. You're 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 not going to hold them to 200 yards. Um, you're probably not going to make C.J. Stroud throw three interceptions. You might be able to get him to throw one, but he's he's a, he's a pretty accurate guy. Um, the, the trick is to bend and don't break and, and make, make Henderson be very inefficient, make Ohio State kind of forget about him, which they do sometimes, much to Ohio State uh, fans' chagrin. Well, you know, given that Ohio State's DNA is to be a little bit more like, this, like Utah has been over the past couple of years, and this is a little bit closer to a, a Big 12 kind of team um, or maybe an NFL kind of team in that they, they want to throw the ball probably two or three times more than they're actually going to run it. Um, and if you some of those one-on-one matchups, you can hold them to 28 points. What's the mood among Ohio State fans as far as just their uh, what? What can I look for? What can I say? The anticipation, because in in our community, it's off the charts. The Utes are going to the Rose yeah. Bowl; it's the first time, and we get that this isn't the playoff, but still, it's the Rose Bowl. 
And is it sort of a blasé uh, attitude from among Ohio State fans? The vibes in Columbus could not be worse right now. Like I, I don't think we could overstate how significant this dichotomy is between one program that not only wants to be there, but recognizes that this is potentially a transformational like game for their program. When you were in the Mountain West or when you were going through the wilderness of the 80s and the Rose Bowl represents like this totem of everything that your program is structurally uh, incapable of achieving, and now you finally climb that mountain and you've gotten there, and you can, you know, I, I think in, in this market, if you want to you know, criticize Ohio State fans and that program for being spoiled, I think that's completely fair. But this was a team that came into the season with playoff aspirations. And not only did they fail to meet that goal, but then they, they failed to meet that goal because they lost to their arch rival. And they didn't just lose to their arch rival, but they lost to their arch rival in the most humiliating way to Ohio State fans possible, which is Michigan physically stuffed them in a locker and took their lunch money. Like, it would be one thing if there was a blocked punt or someone threw for 500 yards, but they got out Woody Hayes. Um, and that is, like, structurally concerning, <laughs> I, I think, to a lot of Ohio State fans. Like, there's, there's a reason you're seeing a lot of people opt out. Um, there's a reason Ohio State is returning tickets, which has almost never happened given how national this fan base is and how many West Coast Ohio State fans there are. They, uh, the, the young players are going to be very motivated uh, to, to show out here because playing time is going to be premium, and you want to get the bad taste of Michigan out of, out of their mouth. But this is going to be a home game for Utah. And I don't think you can completely understate that when it's the third quarter and people are beat up and they're hurt and they're angry. It's, it's not hard to imagine that the guys in Salt Lake want this experience more than the people in Columbus do. So I'm, I'm curious about the, especially the young receivers that you mentioned earlier who are going to be stepping in for the guys who opted out. Because everyone knows Ohio State recruits high-end talent. Everybody's gifted, or you wouldn't be on Ohio State's roster. You wouldn't have a scholarship yeah. there. But especially at all, especially at wide receiver, maybe more so than any other position. Okay, but we all know college coaches like to schedule a couple of money games, get the bugs out, let guys get the nerves out, and then they can really take off and and achieve to the level of their, of their spectacular talent. But we also know there are guys who are chomping at the bit who are like, if you give me one chance, my, if I get my foot in the door, it's over. I'm taking over. And so I'm curious with the receivers who are likely to get more snaps, get to run more routes, and get targeted more by the quarterback, are they going to, do they need time to warm up, time that they don't have? Or are they going to seize that first chance, blow by somebody, cut back on somebody else, and end up in the end zone? I mean, the, the latter is possible. Like, everybody has that, right? And I mean, it has that potential. They did it in high school. They've done it in practice. There's, there's a reason that they're in a position to, to play here. But then you're – I know that this doesn't make compelling radio, but you're, we're, 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 both of us are sitting here trying to make definitive statements about 19, 20-year-olds. Yeah. And even if they're not football players, you and I and God and everybody in this market knows that 19 and 20 year olds are not the most consistent, reliable, stable people under the best of circumstances. And when you put them in a situation where there's 70,000 people screaming and it's very emotionally charged and uh, a tenth of a second hesitation in either direction means a different result for the play, you can't really predict it. So, yeah, it is possible that, that this could be a game here where Julian Fleming, who was, I want to say, the top wide receiver recruit in this class, he was injured a little bit, and that's why he fell down in the rotation. He shows everybody why he was uh, projected to be a first-round NFL talent and goes for eight catches for 145 yards and two touchdowns. That, that could happen. But if they haven't had the same number of reps that, uh, you know, that um, C.J. Stratus had with, the, with his ones, and they, they feel like the moment's a little bit too big for them, and maybe Ohio State's offensive line isn't quite where it was you know, three weeks ago, and pass protection's a little bit off, it, it, it could be a very different thing. So I, you know, I look at this and think as the totality of all the other you know, factors of this game makes me think, I think I like Utah, Utah chances better. But is there a possibility that Ohio State still throws for 406 yards? Yeah, like they, they have the dudes to do that, and that's just what happens when you play Ohio State. Obviously, the better the player, the easier job it is to coach. And one of the hallmarks of Kyle 
Whittingham staff is he doesn't have a ton of four and five star guys, but they yeah. identify them early, maybe switch positions, coach them up, and away they go, and they send off plenty of guys to the NFL. My thought for you is what is your confidence level in the coaching staff being able to overcome whatever it might be, deficiency with guys sitting out or injury or whatever it is, to be able to come up and figure out a game plan and use some coaching expertise to be a factor in this game? That's a, that's a great question. And I don't think it would be homerish to say, that I would like, I, I think Utah has an advantage in this department heading into this game. You know, p- part of it is Ohio State staff was already in turmoil a little bit. They just hired a new defensive coordinator from uh, Oregon State who will not be on staff for this game. Um, and that means that one of Ohio State's assistants, and which one yet, is not going to be, is, is not going to have a job, you know, in, in a week and a half because you can't have, you can't have that many. Ohio State uh, demoted their defensive coordinator after week three, and there's been a, a lot of, confusion about who should be doing what on this defensive staff. I, I would imagine there's going to be multiple personnel changes there. I think Ryan Day's a really good coach. I think he's particularly a really good offensive coach, not just a really good recruiter, but a, a very creative schematic person. He was, you know, he came out of the, the Chip Kelly when that meant something. Um, and I, I would expect Ohio State's offense to still perform you know, well. Like, again, it's, it's hard for me to imagine them, you know, putting up 181 yards on one touchdown. I think they're going to be able to score points. But um, I know I've told everybody this nationally, that I, there's, I, there's not many coaches right now that have a better track record of uh, performing in bowl games and maximizing the talent that they have and maximizing their identity than, than Winningham. And with all of the outside whispers that hey, this might be his last game or we don't know what, what Utah's going to be doing after this or, you know, to, or to instill within this team how much this particular game matters and how they need to execute, yeah, I, I, I would feel pretty comfortable that, that even if Utah loses, they're going to still be able to do what Utah wants to do or needs to do to win this game. If they lose, it's because... I think it's because they got out-talented, and that happens sometimes when, when you have when you face a team that has better players and also has a competent coach. Like, it's not a USC kind of situation. Um, but I don't think it will be because Utah is completely flummoxed and unable to, to, to kind of impose what they want to do for this football game. Well, Matt, we will leave it right there. We appreciate you coming on, sharing all your, uh, your expertise, and, and that felt less like Ohio State pom-poms and more like, you know, a guy who makes his <laughs> living doing this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, 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 I try to, I try, I try to do that. Um, you know, and, and most of the time these days, I'm writing about stuff that happens off the field. And uh, the, you know, what, what, you know, if, if a Utah fan is interested in the kind of force to make their athletic department tick, um, you might enjoy Extra Points, which you can find at extrapointsmb.com. There it is, Matt. We appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us. Yep, no problem, fellas. Be well. I'll talk to y'all later. Matt Brown, publisher of Extra Points, covering college football and college athletics. And, yes, he is an Ohio State grad. So, PK, a little turmoil on the defensive coaching staff on top of everything else. Well, we knew that the situation there was uh, very much uh, uh, an issue with uh, – I follow, follow Ohio State. I think all of us do to one degree or another. And we knew about them – changing and demoting yeah. and having other guys call the plays and all that stuff. The, th- the thing about it, the, the standard for Ohio State is really unrealistic. <laughs> it's, it's like win a every statewide game. crisis if you lose a game. Yeah, it really if is. not even beyond uh, into the region, into Kentucky, because obviously Cincinnati's right there with Kentucky. And it's, it's such a big, big deal. And that's the level that this program is on, which is why, for me, whether these guys play or not, this program is is top two or three annually. Its reputation is is and it's not unprecedented, but it's right there with anybody else's. And so, if you beat these guys, man, that's why I wanted Ohio State to be in this game because you got this opportunity to beat Ohio State, beat Alabama. Yeah, you only play them once, but so what? They only play you once, <laughs> and you get this opportunity to beat them. That's why I think this thing would just be so friggin' cool. Yes, I believe these guys are tainting the prestige of the Rose Bowl. I think it's a bad precedent. I'm with her, Kirk Herbstreet. I mean, a lot of these people come after me. I'm just some schmo in Salt Lake. Yeah. But basically, all I did was quote her. 
quote Kirk Herbstreet, who's only like five trillion times bigger than I'll ever be. And he's saying the same thing. Come after me. I get it. It's easy to do. Well, I'm only echoing what Herbstreet said. But nevertheless, if Utah wins, no apologies, no excuses, no asterisks. They won the game. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Thanks to Matt Brown for coming on. And if you just joined us at the end of that interview, well, you can listen to it wherever. And he made a lot of good points early on. He knows Ohio State inside and out as an Ohio State grad. And he thinks Utah's going to win the game. If you want to hear that, wherever you get podcasts, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play, on down the list, wherever you get your your podcast, you can find a DJ and PK with Matt Brown. All right, DJ and PK, Mike Smith is coming up at the top of the hour. The Jazz are in Portland playing the shorthanded Blazers tonight. We'll get to that with Mike at 9 o'clock. Stay with us. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. He covers Ohio State for the athletic Bill Landis. You know, there are people on the Michigan side questioning Ohio State's toughness. And, and one of their assistant coaches, I, I believe, said that Ohio State was, was kind of a soft finesse team. And obviously that's never something you want to hear somebody say about your program. So I'm interested to see if there's carryover from that going into this Rose Bowl. Because we all know that, that Utah wants to play the same kind of way. They, they want to play a physical brand of football. And Ohio State just kind of got challenged a little bit by Michigan. And, you know, I guess that can go one of two ways. They can just kind of roll over and kind of end the season and not, not worry much about putting up a fight. But I would say there's some pride in the line for Ohio State, too, because I don't think they want to go out in a fashion where it's, you know, back-to-back games where you're getting pushed around like that. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Yeah. DJ PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The fifth annual Black Friday sale has been extended through December at Davis Vision. Tired of glasses or contacts? Get LASIK now and save $1,400. There are limited spots available, so act now. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Yeah. Yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, give Davis Vision a call, man. I am a living example of Davis Vision and the tremendous work that they do. Just look at me. Look at the gleam in my eye. Uh, Go ahead. Just look at me. I'm a beautiful because of Davis Vision. (laughs) Yuck, when are we doing the win tickets Wednesday? When do people need to listen for that? Today. Today, yes. Good job, PK. Thanks, Cam, obvious. (laughs) We'll do it next segment. All right, next segment for Win Tickets Wednesday. We got tickets to see uh, comedian Whitney Cummings. We'll be giving those away coming up in the next segment. Whitney Cummings? Yes, headed to Kingsbury Hall. Yeah. We just had Matt Brown on, publisher of Extra Points, a PK. You know, if a local guy says it, then you're just a homer and you're trying to suck up, and the Lego movie will sing a song about you. But. He's not a local guy, and he just came on and gave a whole list of reasons why the Utes are going to win the Rose Bowl. Okay, but you can argue it's defense mechanism there. So, see, I told like you did that one year, the Devils won 10 games. See, they're going to win, so you didn't want me to brag. Like, I brag, but... Go ahead and brag. If you win the Rose Bowl, you get to brag. Right, and so you soften the blow... I mean, we do with the jazz people all the time. They just come up with reasons why, well, what do you expect? No, they didn't underachieve. It was almost impossible for them to do it. So you can make that argument that that's part of the deal, too. Whatever you want to do. I don't know Matt Brown personally, so I'll take him at his word. I thought he was very objective. But you can argue that, well, sure. You say you're going to lose, so then this way when it happens, well, see, I told you we didn't have our guys and where our program was in a state of flux and blah, 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 blah. I actually think Ohio State's going to come out with a tremendous effort because they're not going to want to lose their final two games. You lose your final two games in Columbus, oh, my gosh. That's like the world ending. and That just doesn't happen. When's the last time they had a two-game losing streak? I mean, that, that might be something to, to look up uh, forever and ever. When, when they, they literally had a two-game losing streak, I, mean, I think they had uh, the one year before Urban or something, uh, maybe. But that, that's going way back. That is going so, way back. 
Yeah, to me, I think they're going to be gangbusters and be ready to go. And the guys who are there, they're going to be all in. Because if they didn't want to be all in, they would leave. And they got so many underclassmen that you know that haven't made their mark yet, but want to play in the NFL. And will be fully and, motivated. Yeah, what better way to have a breakout game in the Rose Bowl? You know, this is the next best thing to the playoff. And according to Herb Street, the ratings are going to be the same as the semifinals games because it's such a big deal. Everybody knows of the Rose Bowl and the tradition. And I've been down there a ton now when both BYU and Utah have played in the Rose Bowl. And you could just see the, the fan excitement. We're at the Rose Bowl. It's not the actual Rose Bowl game, but it's the site. It's the venue. And they have that Rose Bowl thing on the on the outside of the stadium. Everybody takes their picture there. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> the, the Jazz Note has a lot of pictures taken, but yeah. the record's got to be held by that sign. May, I don't know, is it in front of Yankee Stadium? Is there something that we yeah, will take their is, picture? But, but it's higher up. Yeah. That's the great thing about the Rose Bowl is it's a bowl as opposed to a big stadium. Mm-hmm. So even if you're at the top, you're not, you're not way the heck up there right. because it's dug into a bowl. And so it goes more of a gradual incline as opposed mm-hmm. to a steep uphill. And so, you know, Yankee Stadium and whatnot, you, you, you can't be the, the picture isn't nearly as good but everybody takes their picture on that and for these kids too from ohio you know they have a fair amount of kids from all over the country for sure but i wonder how many of them been there and then you're going to play in this game so whoever's available joe blow from idaho i don't care who it is you're going to get that young man's best effort i believe and with that in mind that's why in my mind there's zero Asterisks, yeah, what if, blah, blah, blah. None of that. None of that applies because the kids that are going to be there in uni, they're going to be jacked. And you'll see it when they come out for the first when, when it's the official team coming out, you know, as opposed to the special teams will come out and then the linebacking core will come out and then the DBs, you know, this is before. Uh, the official warm-up time, you know what I mean? And so they come out in, in different groups. But when they all come out together and the game is 10 minutes away or whatever it is, the excitement in that a stadium is going to be, uh, what's that word, palpable? Something like that? Palpable. Palpable. Palpable, yeah, fancy word. And I believe you'll feel it. And to me, I've been there for the actual Rose Bowl, and I've been there for games played in the Rose Bowl many, many times over because I happen to have worked down there for 10 years, right? So with that in mind, you can feel the difference because I've been there. I've experienced that when it's the actual Rose Bowl versus a regular season game played in the Rose Bowl. And the Utes will feel that, too. And I believe Ohio State, I don't know how many of their kids have actually been in that venue, but they'll feel it. So that's why these kids sitting out, so be it. But it has, in my mind, no bearing on anything. Who plays better that particular day? And you can analyze this and that. Well, this team's good against the run, and they have the strengths and the other team's weaknesses, and so they should be an advantage. But I go back to what Bronco Mendenhall said. We analyze these games a thousand (laughs) times over, and then I get out there on the sidelines, and everything I think that was going to happen doesn't. Doesn't happen. And it's something completely else. That's why I love covering Bronco, because he was so introspective, and he was willing to share stuff with you. And you you prepare for the game, and you think you know everything about it, and you're ready to go, and you spent hours, hours that week, and probably in the summer and so forth and so on as far as that game. And then you get out there, and it's nothing like you expected. So who knows, especially in football, you throw in a couple of turnovers here and there, a blocked punt or a kickoff return, which Utah has been susceptible to. How about this time? They get a kickoff return. They get a blocked punt. You know what I mean? We've seen it a thousand times that things happen that we didn't anticipate. So that's why it doesn't matter to me who's not available on the other side. Football is the ultimate team game, and we're taking out four players. Now, I don't discount the four players because it's hard to judge on 
uh, offensive linemen, their stats, so to speak. Yeah. But it, clearly you can see the receivers. Wow, 2,000 yards. Well, one, but Olave was just but short. between the two of them, they had 2,000. Right, and and Olave's the uh, all-time career leader in touchdown receptions. So, yeah, that jumps off the page. But suppose they were injured. The Utes aren't getting credit. They beat a bunch of backup quarterbacks. Well, they're not not getting credit. They're They're not getting knocked. They played the Bruins without their quarterback. Well, that was an easy freaking win. And for that matter, they played Arizona with the third-team quarterback. They played Washington State without their top quarterback and for most of the game without their top running back. Are we saying, well, they shouldn't be there? Right? No, no one's saying that. And obviously the Utes have had injuries on their side. So it's sort of like it's an injury type of deal. Unless he gets a situation where between now and game time and 22 kids can't play because of COVID, but they tell these yeah, guys, come a, on, guys. That's a different deal. the Rose Bowl. We still got it. We got to get in there. We got to play. I do wonder if, uh, and we see this in the, in the NBA, well, we just saw it with the Jazz most recently, and we've seen it with teams coming through town to play the Jazz. You miss a guy, and it's like it heightens everybody else's senses. You know, okay, we got to be really good because we don't have so-and-so. And in the short run, you can do it. Now, in the long run, when you lose the talent, eventually it gets you. But in the short run, are the guys who really want to get a chance going to step in and play? And will everybody else play a little better because they know the lineman next to them is out? Well, a football game is the short run, right? Yeah, one game, as opposed to having to go through half a season without somebody. Yeah. And you have to go back, and we make such a big deal of recruiting. It's the lifeblood, blah, 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 which it is, obviously. It is. And you can't tell me that these kids that Ohio State has on their roster don't have just as many high school stars and decorations behind or in front of their name. Now, they don't have it at the collegiate level yet. We understand that. But at one point, Olave didn't have it at the collegiate level, right? So the question is, do these guys need a, a game or two to get up to speed, which is why coaches want those money games at the start of the season, and they don't want to play a big conference game early if they can help it? Or are they literally going to be ready when they step in, and they'll grab their chance, and away they'll go? You brought up Ohio State back-to-back losses. Uh, 2013, they lost to Michigan State in the conference title game, and then they lost to Clemson in the playoff in the Discover Orange Bowl. So there you go. That's the last back-to-back. And 2011, 2012 was Urban's first year, and they were undefeated. 2011 was the year where they were a 500 team, and it was a mess, and they yeah. were getting ready for Urban. And that yeah, year they had a – but you got to – they really – they have not had a three-loss season since that 2011 right. Right. season when they were – a mess and lost their last yeah. four games. See, that's why I play this game as bigger than beating Alabama because Alabama hadn't had a three loss season since the year before. <laughs> right. <laughs> when they, they didn't know they the were supposed to be invincible. And you right. wonder, even just even this Alabama season and reading a bunch of stuff leading up to the playoff, they've come so close to losing so many games. If they didn't have that, uh, are of invincibility and intimidate people coming out of the tunnel, would they have lost some of these four or five one-score games that they've eked out? And then by the end of the year, you coach them up, and they're finally good, and they come up with a phenomenal game against Georgia, and they look great. But they were so vulnerable so many times along the way, and they only slipped up that one time at A&M. On the road, 100,000 people early in the year, and guys weren't quite ready for that moment. Yeah, so be it. And I put House State right there at this level. This this is a no excuse ball game. If anybody took what I wrote as an excuse, well, I yeah. got one thing to say to you: you're <laughs> people, an idiot. You're an idiot. People, it's it's and it's also uh, when you get into comments and stuff like that, it only takes one or two people to skew the discussion. And right. So, the question uh, the question we had yesterday on Twitter it went nuts. You poked the bear. You deserve this. The exact same question, literally copy and pasted on Facebook, didn't generate any of that. Nobody took it in that direction. On Facebook, it was like, eh, sad isn't the right word. It was, or, or I don't care who they run out there. Nothing's going to wreck this moment. Man, if they win, this is my team, and this is going to be the best. 
and there was none of the whiny victimhood. People just took it as a question and answered the question. Well, it has nothing to do with Utah. It's the fact that it's the Rose Bowl, and these guys, with their decisions are denting the prestige of the Rose Bowl. It could have been any team in there. Well, I think the, the bigger Utah's picture is irrelevant yeah. to the discussion in I, this case. I think both teams are irrelevant to the discussion. I think it goes mm. back to what is best for college football. Not for any one player, not for any one coach, not for any one school, not even for a conference. What is best for college football? The Rose Bowl has been great for college football. Whether the game has been close or it's been a blowout, it has romanticized it, it has popularized it, and it's not the only thing, but it has been it is a brand that is part of the game that is great for the game. So anything that doesn't lift up this brand that everyone's benefited from, I mean, the Utes, even before they were in the Pac-12, it was still the dream. Get in the Pac-10, what was then the Pac-10, and get to the Rose Bowl. Arizona State did it. It could happen again, and now it's literally happened. But even when Utah wasn't in the Pac-12, it was part of the dream that motivated people. And you can talk to all the people who worked in the Utah Athletic Department at that, at that time. And Chris Hill to say, yes, we want it to happen, but we can't control it. We have to be invited, so we have to be good. Be the best at whatever you do. That brand is so powerful and has been so good for the industry that this sucks. And I think that's what is Kirk Herbstreet was reacting to. Yeah, so I accept your apology. (laughs) All you you fans. Okay. Coming up, Mike Smith, Utah Jazz studio analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. Jazz and the Blazers tonight. We're talking to Mike in 20 minutes. Stay with us. To win tickets Wednesday, Caller 12 right now wins two tickets to see comedian Whitney Cummings, the reigning queen of American stand-up comedy, at Kingsbury Hall on January 8th for her Touch Me Tour. Great seats still available at www.ticketmaster.com. It's brought to you by LiveNation.com. Whitney Cummings, January 8th, Kingsbury Hall. Whitney Cummings, and she's, uh, I guess one of us, one of you guys put out something that you can win tickets this morning and tagged uh, me and you. And she just liked the tweet. This is like when Donny Osmond followed, followed me on Twitter. Mark it down. Big day for PK right there. I mean, it's nothing for you because you're a celebrity and award winner, but I'm a nobody (laughs) trying to survive over here. You know, you're the big time dude, the Hall of Famer, the award winner, flying on planes with the Huntsmans and, you know, you know, Spence Eccles and all this stuff. I'm just a nobody over here. (laughs) I mean, Britton Covey says, thank you, David, when both of us are standing right there and we're interviewing him together. I'm holding the mic and he looks at you and says, thank you, David. And I'm standing right there. I am right there. And he says, thank you, David. As if I don't even exist. He has no clue who I am. But yet, I mean, everybody knows you. I'm going to have so, to. So, yeah. I'm going to have to thank Britton for that. <laughs> Being uh, highlighted and liked in a tweet by Whitney Cummings is nothing to you. Where for me, I've already told three family members. I'm sure your sisters were very happy to get that news. Big text from PK. Well, I'm, yeah, but I'm, I haven't even begun to tell you how many friends back from the Daily Breeze days that I've told. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, David. Yeah, what, what, what about me? Who? Huh? I got to go. We were discussing uh, the Rose Bowl with uh, Matt Brown. He hit on a lot of the, the motivations and uh, different angles to this game. And the Columbus Dispatch has another guy with another level of motivation for this game. We've got a story with uh, Tavian Thomas about how he was unable to sign with Ohio State as a freshman. Urban recruited him, recruited him hard, and then the last thing, they backed off. And it was because uh, academics, they wanted him to go to a junior college. They were afraid the school wasn't going to let him in. And then uh, ultimately, Urban goes and gets other running backs, and he ends up at Cincinnati. And uh, he says, that was really kind of hard for me. When they said that, I'm like, man, am I not worthy enough? I had doubts in my, man, my, my mind and stuff like that. And now he wants to show them what they missed out on. Yeah, that's great. A little extra motivation. You love that kind of stuff. He uh, refers to Thomas, it now as a love. Yeah, Thomas says, I have a love-hate relationship with Ohio State. Well, I mean, it's an academic thing, and the guy had a troubled background. I think that's, to me, that's 
way more than anything on football. If you want to make a difference in people's lives, that that's where we got to go. That and that and all this social stuff that's been going on. That's ground level stuff. Good for him. He's had the football ability and the ability to stay through it. But there's millions of guys. I don't know millions, maybe, but many cases where they don't have the football ability. And how do those people? recover from being dealt devastating circumstances that's where we need to make a difference that we can put all the signs in our yards that we want and that's great but make a difference at the ground level unfortunately for thomas he's got the athletic ability to where several people took a chance on him but would anybody take a chance on him if he didn't have the athletic ability no he'd be cast aside so if you want to get into that that's a much bigger thing but if you want to play for football for motivation if he's using it i don't know that ohio state disrespected him i just don't know that they could have allowed him to get into college yeah he doesn't paint his disrespect actually he talks uh very highly about the uh running backs coach he built a relationship with tony alford he said what i liked is coach alford was a straightforward guy and i respect that i want to play for a coach that's straightforward they ain't going to sugarcoat anything and he wasn't just talking football right so All of that. That's where he gets into the love-hate. There were a lot of things he loved, but uh, it goes back to what you were saying about if you haven't been to Columbus or know people who've gone to Ohio State, Utah football is a big deal, and BYU football is a big deal, and the fans really care. But there's something about Ohio State. It goes to a whole nother level. And so for him to feel that and be that close to going to Ohio State and then not going, uh, that's a big deal. It's 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 yeah, a big deal for any kid back in that area. That's right. got to be a dream to go there. Ex- it's like playing for the Cowboys or something. Yeah, exactly. Up and, in Texas, and he's so close. And uh, and then to your point about his football ability, Andy Ludwig is quoted in this story. Quote: This is this is Andy, like so, just like straightforward, not flashy, but <laughs> saying it all very quickly. His yeah. presence was a big catalyst to this offense taking a jump about halfway through the season. Oh, certainly. We all saw my play calling turns into genius level stuff when he's the guy carrying the ball (laughs) he's not saying it but that's what he means well utah put him in a position to utilize his talents and it's a great story i love the story Uh, we all love the story another underdog kid although he's got enormous talent and i hadn't heard of him until training camp and then the third day in they start talking about him and they keep talking about him and they okay i'm stupid but if you keep telling me something 20 times over eventually i'm going to catch on which is what i did there as far as that goes yeah the fumble issues but he solved them and he's had a big time season and he looks like he's another running back from utah who's going to go in the nfl yes and the thing that really tipped it off was about uh late September, uh, Kyle's at a press conference, and, and you're right about all the stuff with Thomas and talking about him, and then you see him, and he's like, you know, straight out of central casting. He looks like a big-time running back. out of luck. But he has the fumble issues, and Kyle says, we've got to find a way to get him going. And I remember thinking, he must be lights-out awesome, because Kyle will drop a running back who fumbles like a hot potato. Man, that guy's done. You fumble the ball, that's like the one thing you can't do. You can't. Kyle just he's preached turnovers over and over. So for as many times as Tavian Thomas dropped the ball, and there were a couple times he lost it and he was ruled down and still went over to the sideline, and you could tell he wasn't feeling good, and you could tell the coaches were mad. But for Kyle to sit in there, we got to find a way to get him going. It's like, well, he must just be lights out. Because Kyle's would like not at all upset and thinking if he needs a third chance and he gets a third chance because we've got to get him the ball. Well, again, he keeps getting chances because of his athletic ability. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, that's the way of the world. Ludwig says, I think a big red light went on. And Tavon said, I'm going to get this fixed or else I'm not going to play. He wants to play. He wants to be an impact player in this program. He identified the issue and he got the issue corrected. Well, hold yeah. on to the ball. Doesn't seem like it's an issue. <laughs> yeah, corrected. It's like yeah, Andy didn't want to use that word or those phrases and plant something in his mind right before the Rose Bowl. So he goes with the issue. Just pay attention and focus on it, and I think that that ought to cover it. And I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. A couple of fumbles in games uh, at Weber State, he fumbled. Uh, all right. If you're going to fumble, fumble in Weber State's game. Because <laughs> you're going to win that game with or without that fumble. You know what I mean? So to me... That, that's the time to have your fumbles in, in a game like that. I didn't know he'd be this good, but nevertheless, he, he has been. And then you read about his background, and you see, okay, yeah, they knew. And he's on the other side of the country, so I didn't know about him. 
and now he he's blown up and i suspect he'll go over 100 yards and probably score a couple of touchdowns because <laughs> that's pretty much been the way it's been going and, and it's great to have that when you especially when you get down in the red zone and it's harder to move the football to know that i mean you basically have a touchdown machine here that that's really good news and you're finishing drives with touchdowns you don't want to finish drives with field goals obviously you take field goals over no points but the the goal and the idea is to get touchdowns and he's been putting that ball in the end zone so it's another story of i don't want to say he's under recruited because he's he wasn't under recruited he certainly wasn't under recruited but utah has had success with guys who've had issues and they come to Utah for whatever reason. And I know some BYU fans like to like, oh, yeah, he just takes a bunch of outlaws and all that stuff. But And they don't want to give the family on three stuff. But there's something there. There is something there to it that has allowed Utah to take some troubled kids and get themselves right. And don't we want that? Isn't that something that we would all look forward to? That'd be a positive, think, right? Yes. I mean, yes. If oh, got is somebody... he going down the wrong road? No, no, yeah. he's not. All right. I think we should all be happy about that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and if you have the athletic ability, good on you. Yeah. I just worry about so many of the kids who don't have the athletic ability. Where do they go? And where is their second who's, chance? Who steps and how in and helps is, them? Yeah, who's and, mentoring right. them? Because right. yeah, there's so and that's an issue in this country that leads to some of the problems that we end up having in the first place. And if we can eliminate them at the ground level, maybe it'd be better off for all of us down the line. But that's just me preaching and probably up in the night dreaming, wishing that that's the way it would be for everybody. Well, I definitely saw my nephew ride the roller coaster. He got he got dealt a tough hand and. Uh, you know, now he's older and he's getting to a good place, but it has not been an easy road. And there are a lot of people who have to travel that road. And what breaks do they get to help them bounce back? Or who lends them a hand or mentors them, like you say? And you hope it turns out, but you don't know how it's going to turn out. And hopefully more people get to go down the road that apparently uh, Tavion's going down, where things work out and things turn around. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, Mike Smith, Jazz Studio Analyst for AT&T Sportsnet. He's coming up next, the Jazz and the Shorthanded Blazers tonight in Portland. Mike's next.